The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class a show that tallies the wins and losses of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about a career-defining moment in basketball history, the time when Spud Webb, a 5'7 underdog, soared to victory over Dominique Wilkins, a 6'8-tall giant. The day was February 8th, 1986. Anthony Spud Webb, the shortest player in the NBA at the time, won first place at a slam dunk contest in Dallas, Texas. The event was held at the Reunion Arena as part of the NBA All-Star Game weekend. Webb, a point guard for the Atlanta Hawks, stood 5 feet and 7 inches tall, making him the shortest player to ever participate in the competition up to that point. Nonetheless, by that stage in his career, Webb had already competed in nine other dunk contests, and he had won them all. When he returned to his home state of Texas for the NBA's contest, he was hoping for a tenth victory, and a chance to prove, yet again, that size didn't matter. That was an all-too-familiar battle, one that Webb had been fighting ever since he was a high school player growing up in northern Texas. Back then, he averaged 26 points per game and became one of just 10 students out of 5,000 to earn a spot on the All-State team. Yet despite his success on the court, Webb's small stature kept him from being recruited for the big-time programs of Division I colleges. In fact, Webb didn't receive a single scholarship offer from any four-year college. Instead, he attended Midland Junior College in Texas, 
where he showed up all the doubters by leading his team to victory in the 1982 Junior College Championship. This caught the attention of the coaches at North Carolina State University, and it wasn't long before Webb transferred to play for them. He spent the next two years finishing up his college career, and then in 1985, he was chosen by the Detroit Pistons in the fourth round of the NBA draft. Unfortunately, the Pistons cut Webb before the season even started, and he had to go looking for a new team. One impressive tryout later, he earned a spot on the roster of the Atlanta Hawks. Webb's hard work and perseverance had gotten him all the way to the NBA, but his pickup had come with the lowest possible salary that the league would allow, so he started competing in dunk contests to earn some extra cash. He dominated every contest he entered thanks to his impressive vertical leap, which carried him as high as 42 inches off the ground. Without powerful jumps like that, Webb wouldn't have been able to reach the 10-foot-high rims on all official baskets. His leg muscles got him most of the way there, but his small frame played a part as well. Since Webb had less mass than most players, it was easier for him to launch himself higher into the air. And launch himself he did. By 1986, Webb had won 9 out of 9 dunk contests. He wasn't able to compete in the NBA's first or second slam dunk contests, which were held in 1984 and 1985, but when the third contest came around in 86, Webb was a rookie for the Hawks, and therefore eligible to compete. He jumped at the chance. After all, if he won, he would take home $12,500 in prize money, nearly one-fifth of his yearly salary. To make it happen, he would have to outdunk seven other players, most of whom were about a foot taller than he was. Webb's steepest competition came from Dominique Wilkins, a.k.a. the Human Highlight Film. He was one of Webb's new teammates on the Atlanta Hawks and also the contest's defending champion. A year earlier, Wilkins had beat out Michael Jordan to claim the top spot in the contest. And since Jordan was sidelined with an injury in 1986, Wilkins figured he was a shoe-in to win first place again. Most of the other players had never competed in the contest like he had, and as for Webb, well, he was five foot seven, no taller than a parking meter, as one newspaper commentator once put it. He didn't seem like much of a threat to Wilkins. But any doubts about Webb's ability were put to rest in the very first round. His first dunk went through the basket, hit him on the head, and then bounced back up through the net earning him a combined score of 46 from the five-judge panel. His second dunk that round was a spinning dunk, which got him a 48, and his third dunk, a two-handed double-pump dunk, was good enough for a 47. It was a strong start and gave him an early lead on his opponents. Webb and the other two highest-scoring players advanced to the second round, where the champ, Dominique Wilkins, was waiting for them. The scores reset at the start of each round, and after three more dunks apiece, the players with the highest scores were Webb and Dominique Wilkins. In fact, they had tied with 138 points each. All of a sudden, Wilkins' victory didn't feel like a sure thing. 
After a short break, Webb and Wilkins took to the court to square off in the final round. For the first of their last two dunks, both players delivered one-handed spin dunks, and each earned a perfect score of 50 in the process. That left Webb with just one more chance to dethrone the champ. Anything less than another perfect 50 wouldn't cut it. By that point, the more than 16,000 fans in the sold-out crowd were firmly in his corner. They started chanting, Spud, 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 as Webb moved to half-court, preparing for what might have been his best dunk of the night. He threw a one-handed overhand bounce pass that bounced off the wooden floor, connected with the backboard, and then ricocheted back into Webb's outstretched hand. Now, nearly four feet off the ground, Webb snatched the ball and slammed it firmly in the basket, much to the delight of the crowd, judges, and other players, except for maybe Wilkins. It was a perfect 50, and Webb couldn't help but smile. Wilkins tried to match the perfect score, but the best he could muster was a 48, leaving him two points shy of the win. Against the odds, Webb had done it. He bested his 6'8", 224-pound teammate and took home over 12 grand for his trouble. And don't feel too badly for Wilkins, either. His salary was $585,000 that year, and he took home another $7,500 for being runner-up. Following his big win, Webb went on to have a successful 12-year NBA career, playing 814 games for four different teams. He retired from basketball in 1998, having paved the way for other NBA players who were under six feet tall, including Muggsy Bogues, Earl Boykins, and Nate Robinson. In fact, Webb actually coached Robinson to victory in the 2006 dunk contest, helping him become the only other sub-six-foot player to ever win the top spot. In a fun tribute to his mentor, the 5'9 Robinson actually jumped over Webb during his best dunk of the night. Webb later went on to judge the NBA dunk contest himself in 2010, and he currently serves as the president of basketball operations for the Texas Legends of the NBA G League. Still, his biggest claim to fame is probably his landmark win over his much more famous, much taller teammate. Case in point, in a 2021 interview, Webb said that, quote, 100,000 people have told me they were there that night, but the place only holds 20,000. It's just something that grows on you. You just get used to it and understand that you're going to have to talk about it everywhere you go. Lastly, because I know you're wondering, Webb's nickname, Spud, has nothing to do with being squat like a potato. Shortly after his birth in 1963, a close friend of Webb's father joked that the boy had a head so big and round that it looked like Sputnik, the famous Soviet satellite that had launched six years earlier. The nickname stuck for years, but when the other kids in his neighborhood had trouble pronouncing the word, it got changed to Spud, and everyone liked the sound of it. Much like Webb's victory in the dunk contest, the origin of his nickname is probably another thing he has to talk about everywhere he goes. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. 
If you have a second and you're so inclined, you can keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you can write to us directly at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.